0: Welcome to the Loyal Sons Podcast, presented by the boys of Capel Faithful. That's at Capel Faithful on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Loyal Sons Podcast, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Today is Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Week 3 of the college football season. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and the Pittsburgh Panthers are 2 and 0. Now, the Loyal Sons went on vacation last week to scenic Knoxville, Tennessee, which is why we did not put an episode out last week. However, we're back in the Steel City and we're ready to talk about our undefeated Pitt Panthers. So, why don't we get started, Dylan? How are we feeling about this football team so far?
1: Tell you what, we're 2-0. and We were a little worried about the Knoxville game. Thought that might be one of our letdowns. Um, now people are calling the Western Michigan game the letdown, but I feel really good. Um, the biggest thing to me is probably just the the playmakers showing up on offense. We look like we can just outscore teams at this point. I don't want that to be what we have to do all year, but it's really promising. We're starting to look like a real college football offense, which hadn't looked like the last few years it's funny on monday i got
2: asked by a coworker, was that a big win for pitt and mistakenly i said yes because we're 2-0 and we beat an sec opponent on the road who would have thought we'd be doing that i don't care that it's tennessee but at the same time it is tennessee so i don't want to get too sky high and through the roof but we're 2-0 and so i am
0: no i agree i agree anytime um and I'm sure at some point we'll talk about UMass, unless we don't, in which case we won't. Um, right. But I mean, Tennessee has like a bunch of big dudes who run fast, and I feel like that's paramount to uh, putting together a good college football team. And we beat them at football, so that is, I mean, just in that kind of cool. And they
1: they had eighty two thousand fans there. That's and an, it was a really good environment. We were there as we'll we were say. there, yeah, and it was really loud hostile environment, it, it says something that that team was able to withstand taking a punch in the mouth early and then come back, kind of
0: settle down and really control the rest of the game. So let's, let's talk about that start. Pitt went down 10 to nothing, what felt like almost instantaneously. Where were your heads at when we started that way? And uh, what do you think of the boys, specifically Kenny Pickett's efforts uh, to turn that around in the second quarter?
1: Well, we were all looking at each other, up in those bleachers, up in the second deck, thinking, like, okay, another score and we're out of here.
0: <laughs> I was dead inside. It, but <laughs> yeah. I was dead inside. Yeah, I was, I was mentally preparing to go start grabbing a couple waters from the concession stands so I could sober up and drive us back to Pittsburgh after the game. Like, yeah. I, I thought that was the end of the trip. I thought you know, no one was gonna wanna hang out anymore.
2: I was watching from my couch. I had the same feelings. Uh, Thankfully I don't have an eight hour drive ahead of me, but uh, I was just sitting there and I wasn't even mad. I was just so defeated. I'm like, God damn it, I got my hopes up again. Is this really the way it's gonna happen? But I quickly realized, you know what, we got Kenny Pickett. I'm not out just yet, but I was very, (laughs) very, very close. Like one of those Joe Milton passes gets completed. Thank God he has the worst arm I've ever seen in a power five quarterback.
1: I think I think my heart about dropped into my yeah. stomach when, the, on the deep ball that Marquez Williams broke up, yeah. but Milton put it on the money. That was the one pass that he did. Well, let me
2: rephrase it. that. I said the worst arm of the Power Five.
0: Guy can throw it a mile, but he can't the broadside. The worst the accuracy, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Important clarification. He, we, Dylan, and I watched uh, the complete game yesterday. Because what else are you going to do on a Monday? Uh, and. He threw more deep balls. He tested us deep even more than I thought. It felt like he threw a million deep balls their first two possessions, uh, while we were at the stadium. He actually threw two million deep balls their first two possessions. Well what happened
2: so quick. They would overthrow a pass, get back to the line, like do a quick handoff the next play,
1: take another shot, and the guy would be pretty wide open, but he just couldn't connect. Yeah, I I was looking around and I just I said to somebody we were with, and I just said They look lost. Like, Narduzzi did not come in prepared. They look lost in every facet. On special teams, on offense, they went three and out. And then on defense, they were just – the receivers were running right by us. Um, I I, was worried. The biggest thing I thought was all week Narduzzi
2: talked about the tempo. We have a veteran defense. We have a lot of guys who have played, a lot of really good guys. And we've played UCF before. This isn't a surprise. We know what they're going to do. Well, Josh Hype was at UCF. We know his scheme. Bring him to Tennessee. We know they're going to snap the ball every 10 seconds. And we still weren't prepared. We were some guys on and off, and it just looked like
0: we were hanging on for dear life. Well, so the one, the one deep ball, the one of like seven deep balls that uh, Milton missed in those first two drives that I think really stuck with everyone uh, was the seam route that they ran with their tight end uh, where he was completely uncovered. That was because Pitt had swapped on seven or eight guys that play, You know, hurried everyone on or off. On and off the way that you have to, when uh, the offense runs up tempo, yeah. and it was just a blown assignment. You know, a guy was sprinting onto the field for his like you know for his life, and had no idea where he was. They looked completely disoriented. Thank God, Joe Milton almost put it in the stands, or we would have been down fourteen nothing in the first ninety seconds of the game. Yeah, we definitely got lucky. Um, and you know what?
1: Not every college quarterback is as good as ours. Actually, most of them aren't. I'd say none of them are as good as ours. Wouldn't trade Kenny for anyone.
0: Doesn't doesn't this kind of feel like the week where the national media and and the national college football fan base has kind of almost figured out that Kenny Pickett is like a thing? Like, I, I, I've seen more hype from this week than ever before, and it's almost like it took a, a come-from-behind win against an SEC opponent on ESPN for people to be like oh, this this guy, he he can sling a ball around a little bit.
1: Yeah, and you said it was on ESPN, which I think is a big deal. Um, you, everyone gets to watch a lot of eyeballs. You know, it was the noon ESPN game, so a lot of people were probably tuned in. Tennessee is a big-name program. We went down there on the road, and Pickett played – I don't want to say it's the well, – I've heard a lot of people say it's the best game he's played at Pitt, and I think you can make the argument, but he's played some pretty good games. But for him to go down there and look pretty flawless for most of the game – Um, and make some big plays with his legs just all around just look like a super senior and look like the best quarterback in the acc Uh, yeah definitely i think national media is starting to pick up on him a little bit something we knew for the last couple years i'll tell
2: you what we were down 10 nothing early in a hostile environment and once we had those three and outs out of our system pickett didn't miss a beat we had the lead quicker than i don't even know how long it took but we were down 10 nothing the next thing you know we have the lead and if we don't do that if Pickett's a little bit off. That could get ugly really fast. So he was making all the throws. We got like every third down. They kept showing on the broadcast. Pickett is yeah. like 7
1: for 7 on third downs for like 80 yards. Yeah, so was, that's what kept us in it. Receivers making plays too. It was something that we've been so accustomed to. Um, just dropping balls or catching the ball and immediately falling down. I mean, there was some of that. But a few times our receivers actually caught the ball, ran and made some plays, and it was really refreshing. And honestly, I mean, that is what has made me feel so much better, is those receivers look like actual Division One ACC receivers. There
2: were a couple of times where Pickett would have a really nice throw and a really tight window, and the receivers stick their hands out in a tough spot, very contested. They'd make the catch, and they'd juke a guy out and need a couple extra yards. That is something I haven't seen in the last two years. So let's... I think that's so. We look like a real, real team. Yeah, yeah, I see it every every other game that happens on Saturdays. I'm
0: like, wow, why does the pitch just do that? Why can't we do that? What's our problem? Why don't we run the play where everybody gets open? The yeah. Ohio State play. Right. Yeah. So you guys bring up a, a really good point. Um, I think the receivers have exceeded our expectations thus far, and we'll talk a little bit more specifically about the Tennessee game. We didn't go get hammered with, you know, 20 of our best friends in Knoxville. I'm sorry, 300 of our <laughs> best friends in Knoxville uh, for four days. You know, to not tell you guys a little bit more about our experience there. But let's talk about the first two weeks uh, on, on a more holistic basis. What are a couple things that you were worried about going into this season that Pitt has exceeded your expectations on?
1: Well, I think that right there was, uh, was the biggest one, is the wide receiving core. Everyone said coming to the season that this was the best, you know, wide receivers they've had while Pickett's been there. This is the best wide receiver group they've had in a while. Um, they're deep. They're talented, and for me, it it all made sense on paper. But it was like you need to show me in the game. That we said going into like last
2: that. year too. We said these receivers are good and Pickett's good. So yeah. why is our offense not going to be really good? Yeah. So that's the big thing for me is receivers. Defensive line has been good. Elijah Cansey is definitely as like, advertised. Yeah, he's incredible. If they're
1: we're
0: vo- if we're voting today, he's all ACC first team. No, doubt. I. I, wanted, I I made a point to bring this up, if, if we were able to record last week, it was almost as if he would like run two or three plays on defense, and then they would they would pull him out and hide him on the sidelines, because they didn't want too much tape out there on him. He is such a man among boys, which is weird, because he looks like the smallest guy in the box. He is compact. Maybe it's just because he's wearing number eight and my stupid brain can't compute that large people wear big number. But he's just been phenomenal. He was he was eating Tennessee alive. Yeah, there
1: was one play in particular. I know uh Pit Football Instagram put it out, but he just beats his guy, blows through a tight end, and grabs the quarterback with his off hand off hand and just completely Who does that throws out the play of? Aaron Donald. Yeah. I don't want to make too many comparisons, but I mean, it's kind of that same mold of just like a quick, smaller, compact D tackle. Um, But yeah, he's he's legit. He's a potential
2: All-American guy. He looked good last year. He put it all together this year. And you can tell that in a matter of two weeks.
1: Also, my favorite video from the trip was just Kalijah Kansi just holding a whiteboard that says walk in your trap, take over your trap. And he's just dancing around the sideline with it.
0: We, we like to play a game when we watch Pitt play together, and I encourage you at home to start playing it. It's called Watch Kalijah Can't See on This Play. We've played <laughs> it like three times, and I think he has three sacks. Every time, every time we watch, it's like,
1: oh, he just shed a double team and he's in the backfield. Even if he doesn't make the play, he just blows up blows up the play. It's, it's actually unreal how often he's just manhandling the guy in front of him.
2: When he went down, I was so sad. I think we had to lead at that point. It was like two or three plays after he had the insane play that Dylan just described, and he went down. They were like checking his knee. I was so invested in the game, I couldn't be sad because I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to come out of this game. I don't, this is like the worst case scenario for this defense. We got a small little taste of greatness, and now it's been taken away.
0: I was convinced I was coming out of Nayland in a body bag after that one.
1: Yeah, well, it was right while we were playing Kalaja. Watch Kalaja Kansi game, and we watched that play, and we were screaming like, "Oh, he's getting held! He was getting held!" And then he was down on on the, on the field, grabbing his knee. But thank God he's okay.
0: So we've covered all the sunshine and rainbows, and there is a lot. But you know, as a as a pit podcast, we need to keep our heads on a swivel. We need to be prepared for what some in the past would have called the inevitable letdown game. What are some things that we have found a little bit troubling for through the first two games?
1: Well, in the Tennessee game, I think a lot of people have talked about this, but there's a lot of missed tackles, and obviously the blown coverages. The defense just didn't look super sharp. They made big plays, and I, I do like that. I, forced three turnovers, had five sacks, the big stop on the goal line. So this defense, obviously very talented, and they'll make big plays. I don't know that they're as solid as last year's unit that wasn't really making any mistakes, but that's, that's a little worrisome to me that, you know, we're just going to get beat by a really good
0: quarterback, something like that. Our susceptibility to big plays, not just on defense, but in general, is something that already deeply worries me. There was a blocked punt. There was a kick six that was called <laughs> back. Uh, there were about five plays in the first two drives that could have been... 60-yard touchdowns. There was uh, a screen that got housed. There was uh, Joe Milton almost, yeah, almost took one in from about 50 out. Yeah, Brandon Hill didn't run him down. That was that was seven or six points. Yeah, so I mean, a couple of those we escaped by no merit of our own, you know, penalties or Joe Milton having no concept of like depth perception. That is something that needs to be cleaned up We are going to play Miami, we're going to play Clemson Two schools with unbelievable talent in the skilled position And they could just shred us right. If they turn it into a track meet I don't know if that's something we can do as a team I don't think we're built for that You mentioned the missed tackles
2: I'm most disappointed in our linebackers I think the run game would be an easy answer here But we all kind of didn't have extremely high hopes for that The linebackers, we brought basically everybody back I don't know, I expected better. There so many blown coverages. We get beat on that tight end up the middle of seam route, play all the time, Miss tackles. They gotta clean it up for the veteran group they are.
0: I, I have to disagree with you on one part of that. I think Dylan and I each predicted Izzy Abanaconda to get like 12 to 1500 yards this year. And they keep doing this thing where they put the baby in the game. As you will find out, dear listener the baby is what we not so affectionately refer to vincent davis as our 170 pound bell cow running back that can't run through an arm tackle uh and and can't fall forward he's 170 pounds when he's wearing a 20 pound weight
1: vest yeah he's tiny and i mean we've talked about this at length at nauseam it's I, I still think there's a role for him. I think if you can get him in space and give him, you know, we look at the Georgia Tech game last year, give him some space. He can make a guy miss or two. But at the end of the day, 19 carries was was sickening. And it it's just really. And then honestly, Izzy hasn't shown a ton either. I can't act
0: like he he looked like Herschel Walker out there, but he looked better than Vinny. But he was able to ice a game by virtue of breaking. Just breaking through the line. That's step one. Vincent Davis can't do that half the time. He was able to ice a game by virtue of beating the first tackler and falling forward when he had a couple guys on him. That got him three or four yards of carry, and that was all we needed to put Tennessee away. Vincent Davis is not doing that. I know he got it on the one goal line run. But I think it was in one of
2: the press conferences Narduzzi said that the coaching staff agreed that Vincent Davis was the short yardage back.
1: It was the post-game press conference. And
2: I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Pitt's in the shadow of their own goalpost, and they're trying to run the ball to create space. They go under center, back-to-back runs with Vincent Davis. Zero yards, negative one yards. How do you think that would work? What has Vincent Davis showed you all year that leads you to that conclusion? I don't know.
0: I'm starting to get really concerned Uh, about Mark Whipple's inability to learn from mistakes. What do they say? Madness is uh, doing the same thing a thousand times in a row and expecting a different outcome. It's like, do you remember two years ago uh, when Mo French would catch nine passes at the line of scrimmage again? And the the thought was, he's got to break one of them. And he never did. And he had about 90 catches for 800 yards or something ridiculous. Like, he was averaging eight yards, seven, eight yards a catch, and and they just kept doing it because one of these times he's going to bust one. It's the same with trying to run your offense through Vincent Davis, which clearly from the first two possessions was the game plan against Tennessee. We came to an SEC school and thought, we're going to power through with Vincent Davis. He's going to take us to victory.
2: What pisses me off is Narduzzi's stubbornness. After the game, he's like, yep, we knew we were going to wear him down. At the end of the game, we got two first downs to milk the clock, and we did it by running the football down their their throats. So because of that, he's probably going to try to do the same thing a couple weeks from now. We'll keep trying to do it. Like, yeah, it worked this time, but please,
1: make it easier on us. Don't don't count on that to be our saving grace. Yeah, I honestly think what we're going to come to see, and I really hope I'm right on this one, but I think they're going to slowly get Izzy more comfortable. I think they went down to, you know, SEC country, hostile environment. Vinny Davis has played in some big games before. Izzy hasn't. Um, Probably a guy that they rely on to not fumble the ball, uh, not miss pass protection. And hopefully these next couple games against Western Michigan, against New Hampshire, even a little bit so against Georgia Tech, get Izzy a little more comfortable in the scheme of things. And hopefully that, that carry distribution, I still think Vincent Davis will probably, we'll probably see him get eight to 10 carries in games for the rest of the year, but I think we'll start to see a little bit more of Izzy because I don't think they would have hyped him up so much in camp, and I don't think they would have tried to introduce him in this game if, if the thought process wasn't to eventually make him the guy. So I, I do think that will happen eventually, um, and I hope I'm right on that.
0: Well, you know, it happened in, it happened in West Virginia where we knocked off number two.
1: It happened in South Carolina, and it's happened in Pittsburgh today.
0: All right, so let's take a little bit of time to uh... – Tell everyone about our trip to Knoxville. So uh, so last week, unreasonably early, like on Wednesday, uh, about 20 of our friends and about 60 total people uh, that we know and are associated with uh, made the drive down to Knoxville, Tennessee. Squid, unfortunately, was not able to make it. Uh, he had scheduled his ass injections for that Thursday. Uh, you look great, speedy recovery buddy. Wish you could have been there. But uh, why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about the sights and sounds in Knoxville, Tennessee? What a time! We've yeah, a
1: time definitely highlighted by Friday night in Knoxville. I think uh, that's, I mean, going to be the clear winner here.
0: Yeah. So if um if you aren't big into pit Twitter, um, and I would honestly guess that zero <laughs> of like the twenty people that listen to this aren't huge on pit Twitter, <laughs> uh, you. So what happened on, on Friday night is a group of us show up at this bar called Tommy Trent's. Tommy Tommy Trent's, Tommy Trent's uh, on Gay Street in Knoxville, uh, which is like right off the edge of campus. And, you know, we're having fun buying $10 buckets of beer, eating some delicious wings uh, made by a gentleman who I, I do not know. But he looked like he could double as a bowling ball. Um However, so, you know, we're, we're having fun. We're sitting on the patio. Betting on tennis. We were betting on tennis. We were betting on tennis. Um, shout out to Medvedev. Shout out to Medvedev. 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 As, as the night progresses, we, um, we see actually an increase in, in pit fans and more, you know, we, we text our guys who are pit guys to come in. And then, you know, all of a sudden this crowd kind of starts mounting and this kind of becomes, oh, there's a pit bar. Uh, so we're hanging out outside and the um, I attribute the crowd to the picture we tweeted of Elijah's eyes being at the bar. Yeah, Elijah's eyes kind of has that effect on people. Um, he's a he's a true friend, friend to the pod um, as as you will find out with a potential later secret episode we'll we'll touch on later. Uh, so we accumulate a crowd and all of a sudden, you know someone gets the idea that we're gonna cheer like, crazy people anytime a pit fan walks down the street. So we're we're cheering for every pit fan that walks by and we're kind of surprised by how many there were. A lot of pit chants, too. A lot of pit chants. Um, And then every pit fan that walked by come in the bar. They they ain't nothing better to do. They're in Knoxville. Um, We also start booing everyone in creamsicle and white that walks by. The Uh, hell out of them. we We were getting in some faces a little bit. Before I know it, there's two to three hundred pit fans at this bar losing their minds. Like any any time someone walks by in blue, we're we're freaking out. And like I, I might have heard the P I T T chant a hundred times. Easily. Easily. Yeah,
1: and it was pouring out onto the street. I I walked up the block and like just everyone out into the street wearing pit pit gear. Um, it was really cool it was really cool to see that many
0: people yeah i don't know if knoxville has any open container laws but they certainly didn't for about 10 hours on uh on friday afternoon um but it i don't want to say it got a little bit out of hand but let's just say at one point um an unborn tennessee baby got booed yeah and rightfully so. so and rightfully so but uh yeah that was that was absolutely a scene um I think it really set the tempo for the weekend. There were a lot of Tennessee fans belly aching about getting booed in their own city.
1: Yeah, and us uh, drinking
0: all their beer. We we did drink the bar out of beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bar the bar, poor bar back was making beer runs just to keep keep filling up buckets. Um, but yeah, there was a huge crowd on Friday night, and then on Saturday, the contingent of pit fans at the tailgate was was unreal. I think I don't know what the total number would have been but just based off that picture we took that was about 150 and that wasn't all the people who were there i mean that was a great tailgate shout out to willard gears if you are listening to this uh shout out to b miller whatever the rest of your handle is but all, all the pit twitter people uh, that was a great time i really that was honestly probably one of the coolest things i've experienced as a pit fan
0: there were thousands of pit fans at this stadium and it honestly looked like if we were at heinz field and you just took the pit fans; it would kind of be comparable to what Heinz Field would look like during a pit game, <laughs> which which sucks. But it also caused a realization to dawn on me. And that's like pit is like a um, an NHL team. Uh, they say that an NHL team can sell out uh, its stadium every single night and still basically put up a goose egg in the ratings. Because any any hockey fan in a city is going to the games. I think that it's kind of similar with Pitt. That like our away games will drum up the same number of Pitt fans as would be at a home fan. It's just Pitt just has twenty to forty thousand rabid fans, and yeah, if you're a
1: Pitt fan, you just kind of love Pitt. (laughs) We don't have a bunch of outsiders coming to, coming to the games to watch us play at Western Michigan in September, but there there are a lot of... All the Pitt fans who were in Knoxville love Pitt. Like, they weren't just there along for the ride. We don't
0: have a lot of halfway fans.
1: Right. Ride or die. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's kind of what makes it so great. But um, definitely being at the tailgate and then being in the stadium, I actually... Talked to a couple Tennessee fans who were kind of impressed by how many Pitt fans there were just walking around. I don't think they anticipated Pitt traveling that well. Yeah. It's not a super easy trip. But what I also said was this was the no-brainer road trip of the year. Not going to play in Knoxville again, and the rest of the ACC road trips aren't, aren't super exciting venues. So this was the one that made the most sense. But definitely shout out to Panther Nation, man, for making that trip down there.
2: No four-day trip to the carrier to home? Up to Syracuse no,
1: in the middle of November. Not going down to Durham either to uh, watch watch Duke play.
0: Yeah, my my one day college visit to Syracuse, New York, is the max amount of time I ever want to spend in Syracuse, New York, again. So to get
2: serious for a second, though, Pat Narduzzi mentioned that in his press conference on Monday. Damn he, right. He, he talked is. about seeing videos of Pitt fans taking over bars on Friday, and he came. He s- talked about the ACC chance at the end of the game. All the Players and coaching staff mentioned that, so like we said, the home games they are what they are, but the rabbit fans travel and they show out.
0: He came so unbelievably close to almost naming us specifically in that press conference. He was like, yeah, I saw uh, some some videos of some pit fans kind of taking over the town like and it was like, oh, we we're this close to him almost naming the bar and talking about how we were booing children in their strollers because they were wearing Tennessee t-shirts. I was
1: hoping he'd at least make a comment about the beer, drinking all the Bud Light, but uh, yeah. It, it, we know who he was talking about. Those who were there, know. Those who were at Tommy Trent's will never forget that night.
0: No, no. So, um, Dill, what was your general experience with Tennessee fans? Because we had a lot of mixed interactions with uh, the volunteers. Uh, the young fans either just said, F pitt or uh,
1: I have you guys minus three and a half. There was really not much in between, and then the older fans ran into a lot of older people. It was like the the southern hospitality slash like corny hospitality. That's like welcome to Knoxville. Hope you have a great time. Hope y'all enjoy the food. And I just wanted to be like, no, why don't you just say F pit, flick me off, and we I'll flick you off, and we go about our days. But now they
0: were well, fans for the most part were solid most of my interactions were like you pit oh just kidding y'all have a fun time down here i got your minus three yeah Yeah. a lot of tennessee fans bet on Pitt, which went into a much larger uh, picture that they painted this weekend that program does not like where they are at right now
1: no No they are
0: not happy none of them think they're any good uh my first uber driver i ran
1: into or took a ride from Immediately started off with, how you guys think the game's gonna go? And we just kind of said, oh, you know, we feel pretty good. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll be lucky to go six and six. <laughs> so, yeah, they, and honestly, from like message board stuff, that kind of seemed, if they go six and six and are bowl eligible, I think Tennessee fans will consider that a successful season.
0: Well, they're one game farther away from that goal. Damn right. Courtesy of our Pitt Panthers.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Knoxville.
0: We won't be back. We will not be invited back. <laughs> I actually had a video sent to me uh, Friday night how they took over Knoxville. And now it's time for our newest segment, Mad Online, where we scour the deepest corner of the pit version of the internet for some of the dumbest and most off the wall reactionary comments from pit fans uh, about what they see in the program. Uh, so we're going to start our first segment with a little. A little read-through of Panther Lair from Saturday, and I, I think you'll probably be able to tell what part of the game this is from. So, Dylan, why don't you, uh, why, why don't you have our, uh, our reading? All right, so this is the
1: from the Pitt Tennessee game thread on Panther Lair. Jesus Christ, why does Whipple need to run a wide receiver bubble screen on the first drive every time? It's so obvious. This game is going to be a disaster. Hmm, not ideal. And the pitting has begun. This team will never take this next step under Narduzzi. Joke. This is Saturday at 12.06 p.m. All of these.
0: <laughs> we're six minutes in and Narduzzi has already lost his job. Out effin' standing. Jesus. Fire everyone.
2: The funny part is, I don't even think we're at the blocked punt yet. This is just all based <laughs> off of the first three <laughs> mile.
0: I actually think you're correct. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, people
1: are complaining about the guy just missing a block. Um, um, did the pick guy see that guy run right past him to the punter? Um, there was also apparently the – so I wasn't listening to the game, but apparently the announcers said the coaches told them that they saw something and they were going to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So, All right, we're back to Coach Whipple. He's going vanilla, doesn't want to tip his hand or playbook to Western Michigan. <laughs> that's a good one.
0: All right, that's funny.
1: Coaching is abysmal. Bubble screens and apparently no vertical passing game. I suspect Whipple will come out and run the ball three times into a pile of volunteers on the next series. I think they might have been right on that one. Big, yeah. Didn't get a first down, I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah.
1: Bringing back Mark Whipple will be what costs Narduzzi's job in the long run and hold us back from nine wins. I have no idea why Pitt was expecting to win this game. This is going to be a rout and hopefully Narduzzi and Whipple's last season. There's a high school in Youngstown missing their gym coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. I think we can end on that one. Um, yeah, it, it seems like uh, it seems like Panther Letter was not enjoying the first couple minutes of the game. And honestly, as unreasonable as a lot of that was, I think my brain was in the same place as a lot of those people. Yeah, I was calling from our doozy set, I'm not going to lie. About four minutes in. But
1: what do you know? There's 60 minutes of football games.
0: Pickett was looking that
2: way. Now he's in trouble. Flushed out of the pocket. And Pickett throws back across the middle. And it's a touchdown.
1: Seat check. It's time for a seat check. A weekly check-in on Pat Narduzzi and usually Mark Whipple's
0: seats. David, let's hear it. Well, Dylan, the answer right now is cold. Pitt is uh, riding pretty high off of this win against Tennessee. Uh, So I'm going to give Narduzzi a nice 40 degrees, down about 10 to 20 from the beginning of the season. He took care of business against Massachusetts. He took care of business in SEC country. Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with what's going on right now. I'm fickle. I'm easy to please. All it takes is one shiny win, and I'm back on your side. Mark Whipple, I have a little surprise for you guys. Last time I said 80 degrees. I'm going to put him around 55 right now. Uh, I've actually come into some information that I did not know before that I know now that has changed my perspective on the direction our offense is going in right now. These are pit score totals uh, from the last six football games. 41 points, 51 points, 34 points, 17 points, 47 points. Forty-one. That's just Pitt's score totals. Uh, that seventeen is, of course, against Clemson. Otherwise, this has been a productive offense, and I don't think any of us really realize that. I mean, I know that we had the uptick at the end of last season, you know, when it stopped mattering, um, and we we took care of business against Florida State and Georgia Tech. But the fact that this has kind of been a continuing trend going into this season, I don't. I'm never going to love Whipple. I'm never gonna love a guy who makes his quarterback come to the sidelines every play. I'm not gonna love a guy whose scripted first three plays of the game are always like bubble screens, bubble screens, and dives to Vincent Davis, and like he looks directionless. But I mean, then, yeah, he's he's kind of figuring it out.
1: I, I don't like him, but he's kind of figuring it out.
2: Yeah, there's ups and downs. Way too many downs, but at the end of the day, puts up points. So give me a temperature squid. Narduzzi and Whipple. Right now, Narduzzi's chilling. I'll give him 32 degrees, and he's not a freezing, but it's
0: not a warm day.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's getting down there, win the next two games, drop a few more degrees, then the big boys come to town. That's when you find out how cold you really are. I'll tell you what, though. About three minutes into the game, I think everyone in Panther Nation would say he was about 97 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, it was hot. It was hot. <laughs> he didn't get the boys
1: ready to play. This always happens. Same old pit. It was, it was hot up in the second uh, level of the Neyland Stadium where I was sitting. It was very hot. Narduzzi's
2: seat temperature? Higher than the actual temperature in Knoxville, Tennessee in September.
0: Mm-hmm. Which was hard to do because that was, that was boiling. Thank God the uh, bachelor party next to us had some sunscreen. Um, yeah, so yeah I, I agree. The first five minutes of that game, in my mind, Narduzzi's seat was so hot he was about to get a skin graft on his ass. Like, it was bad. I'm not going to picture that. Moving on, Dylan, <laughs> what's your... uh? Hey, I'll give I'll give Narduzzi
1: a 30, 30 degrees. He's chilling, and he can knock it down. As long as they take care of these next two games, start out 4-0, I think that'll put him in a pretty good spot. I said it in our first pod, if they finish around 8-4, and I think that buys him some time um, with the transition period after Kenny. People won't be jumping for joy, but look... We're, we took care of one of the big games we could trip up in early. Whipple, oh, I'm going to agree. I'm going to put him around 50 degrees. I don't think he's at much jeopardy of losing his job. I do think I'm still going to cuss him out across the TV and at the games when he throws those bubble passes and whatnot. But they're putting up points right now. That's all I can really ask for. They They look like a real college football team when they pass the ball. So, hey. Mark Wibble, just just keep putting forty plus points on the board and you're you're okay in my book. How low can you go, Pat? How low can you go? Yeah,
0: I like I like Pickett. <laughs> yeah, I like Pickett too. Alright boys, so now that Pitt is the most undefeated team in the country, which is technically factually correct. Yep. How does it impact our outlook for the rest of the season?
1: Well, got a stretch of two games coming up against teams we typically would think we should blow out if we were a normal program, but instead we're going to be worried sick that Pitt will have a letdown game. Um, Then we have Georgia Tech. After that, seeing as we get through those three games, I would hope Pitt would be ranked heading down to Blacksburg to play a potentially ranked Virginia Tech team. And that's when the season really ramps up. I've got some cold hard facts for you all. I know we
2: all say, oh, this is going to be the pit letdown game. We've seen so much in our lifetimes, we just kind of expect one or two of those a year. But under Narduzzi, we really haven't had those games. I know we got taken to really? time by Youngstown State. There have been some ugly wins. Why don't I believe you? Well, here are the cold hard facts I was talking about. If I were to t- ask you, how many losses against non-Power 5 teams has Pitt had under Pat Narduzzi? How many would you guess? I'd
1: guess a couple dozen. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're going to say is probably not, but I'd think at least two or three. The answer is one, and that was
2: on the road at Central Florida, and they were undefeated. Wow. So by no means is that a bad wow. loss. We got crushed, but you probably weren't expecting to win that going into it. And that was his only loss against a non-Power 5 team. He's 20-5 and five as a home favorite, but what scares people – the stat here, I have. Is wait, 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 say that again. He is under Pat Narduzzi.
0: We are twenty and five as a home favorite. Then why do I only see death and despair when I look at the Pit Panthers? Just our lives.
2: We've seen <laughs> us lose the Youngstown State. We've seen us lose to Akron. It's it's ugly. But remember that time we beat Delaware seventeen to ten. Yeah, it was the most stressful game of my life. And it was against Delaware.
1: It was 17-14 because we were losing.
2: And oh we yeah, you're right.
1: Patty to Mac touchdown to put us up late. Oof.
2: The last thing I'll say: not all those wins have been pretty. Pat Narduzzi at home against the spread is eight fifteen and two. So maybe not winning by as much as we should. We might not have the blowout wins that we're expecting. Like a couple years ago, the Ohio Bobcats came to town. One of the most boring games I've seen. Shut up. It's 20 to 10. Shut up. I don't think up. he scored a touchdown in the second half. Shut up. That's a game where you want Pitt to pressure a much, much lesser opponent. Duquesne took law. it to the Bobcats this weekend. Shut the <laughs> up, dude. Yeah. Great weekend for Pittsburgh, right? Not so great for some other colleges and uh, universities. Sorry, David. So, we're coming as 15 and a half point favorites against Western Michigan. What do you guys think? Early in the year this is the game that I thought that we might slip up at, but Western Michigan kinda got boat raced by Michigan. They lost like forty seven to seventeen. And I
1: don't think Michigan is that great. David, you know the Mac much better than us. Aren't they isn't
0: Western Michigan supposed to win the Mac this year? Uh no. No here here's the thing. They are better than you think that they are. I I promise you, if you are listening to this, Western Michigan is better than you think that they are. They were runners up in the MAC last year. They lost to a Ball State team that was ranked 22nd in the country. Ball State was pretty good this year. Not good enough to win me any money against Penn State uh, on a bet that I placed about four months ago. Way too confident that Ball State was going to march into Happy Valley and win. Yeah, you
1: you told me that that was like the lock of the century.
0: Yeah, yeah, That's why I don't bet a lot. But my point is, this is not a Western Michigan team that is like bottom of the – this is a a top three MAC team that returned a lot of super seniors. Uh, They have a quarterback in Caleb Ellaby that can low-key sling the ball. Um, And this is a team that's more well-accustomed to track meets, and I think that is why Michigan blew them out, because Michigan's going to put the ball uh, on the ground 50 times a game.
2: Oh, great, just like
0: us. So they were able to take the air out of the ball and kind of and kind of death by a thousand cuts. I, I don't think we should view this as, like, a potential letdown game. We should view this as a potential, like, pretty decent team that could give us a game under their own merit. I'm going to say this after I knock on wood. We're going to walk out of
2: this game with a win, comfortable win, but we're not going to be feeling too good about it. It'll be like a... but I don't know.
1: Never looked too dominant.
2: Never firing all cylinders, a lot of three and outs, miscues, whatever. More of the same, but we'll get the win, survive in advance. That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, we're so programmed to thinking that we can't score that many points, but we were just talking about how much they've been scoring the last six or so games. Maybe they maybe they hang some points up, but let Western Michigan score a little bit, and then we all panic about the defense. We all want to be
2: Alabama. We all want to beat every team, like, 64 to nothing every week. I mean, I'd love for that to be the case, but against Western Michigan, they're a max school. They
1: got some players, some familiar players, a couple of pick guys. Shout out to Theron Coleman and Bryson Garner. Yeah. Two pick grads, actually, super seniors at this point. So we got some guys. Two local guys, too, Bashir and Central Catholic. Yeah. So, give us a
2: score. What I just say? 31-17. The offense is going to put
1: up points. Defense will be fine. I think we're going to look good this week. I think we're going to continue to put up points. I think the running game is going to figure it out a little bit. Maybe impose our will against a bit of a smaller, less athletic team. I'm going to say 45-17. We're going to put up points. Um, quarterbacks and receivers will look good. We'll be able to score. We'll be comfortably in the lead the entire game. Maybe let up you know, a deep ball or two. Um, but I think the the Panthers handle this one and, and get out of there
0: pretty, pretty clean. I'm a little bit less optimistic than you guys, as per usual. Like I said, I don't think this is going to be a close game because Western Michigan is terrible and terrible teams play Pitt close. I think this is going to be a close game because Western Michigan is a better football program than people think, and for that reason, they're going to play Pitt close. Pitt has... Pitt is so multifaceted in the ways that it plays disappointing football. I think this is going to be uh, 41-33. Oh,
2: my God.
0: Oh. I think, I think we're, it's going to be one of those games where we're up like 14-16 to 16 for most of the game, and they battle back. But they, they keep responding. They, they just keep responding to the point where we can never pull away comfortably.
2: That's what I was going to say. Much like the Tennessee game, couldn't pull away. So I feel like this is going to be a game where Pitt has the lead. We don't put our foots on their throat. We don't run away with it early. I'd love to be sitting in the third quarter thinking, oh, got this in the bag. But I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll always have those ups and
0: downs, three and outs. However, we'll hang
2: around longer than we'd like them to. But we'll walk away with the win.
0: I am going to throw a caveat on that, though. I think uh, for the first time in their Pitt careers, either Izzy or Kroll breaks 100 yards. So even if it is a closer game, we are going to walk away from it thinking like, oh, they just didn't take that game seriously enough. We are fine. And oh my God, look at this new toy we have. Yeah, I could see that happen. Or,
1: or Vincent Davis will will run for a buck 20 and you'll be pissed because that just means more carries for him moving forward. It's definitely going to (laughs) happen. How many touchdowns is Pickett going to have? That's
0: more important, I think. He's got to build his Heisman resume a little. I think he'll have three, and that, that brings up an interesting point. I want us to keep track of Kenny Pickett's true stat line, so we need to start keeping track of um, and, and counting touchdowns that are uh, that Pickett is cost by his receiving core. Well, so wow. I'm, we're at two. Taysir Mack dropped one in the end zone at Heinz Field, mm-hmm. and Jared Wayne threw one on a trick play against Tennessee that should have been a Kenny Pickett touchdown to Lucas Kroll so I Kenny Pickett is at six touchdowns and zero interceptions this year
2: I agree I think based on my prediction I gotta go with three I think we'll punch one in from the one on fourth and one because we can never punch it in on first or second down and Pickett will throw
1: or run for the other three four touchdowns for Pickett this week if history tells me anything, at least one of them will be rushing, probably a QB sneak or a keeper. Four touchdowns. Pickett's balling out. He's, he's hitting his groove. People are starting to take notice. I'm ready to see him sling it on Saturday.
0: I, I think much like the first two games, Kenny Pickett accounts for two touchdowns, uh, but his adjusted his loyal son's adjusted touchdown total is three or four.
1: Yeah, someone will mess it up for or we'll have one of those stumble down at the one-yard line and and, a running back punches
0: it in. Tale as old as time.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Loyal Suns podcast. We'll see you this Saturday as Pitt takes on Western Michigan at noon. Remember, the game's not on local television, so you either have to stream it or make it down to the stadium. Come on down to Heinz Field and have a good time. Shout out to our 2,000 followers. That's right, we just hit 2,000 followers on Cable Faithful. Thank you for everybody who supports... Remember, follow us on there, subscribe to us here, and we'll see you on Saturday. Hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh.
0: Hey, <laughs> dog soldier.
1: Right give, me, give me a story. <laughs> Elijah's nice dog soldier. Give me a story about when you talk shit at Pitt. Yeah, I mean, most people know me. I'm a very quiet guy, <laughs> right? So, I didn't talk all that much, but there was one time that I talked shit. It was the only time in my, pretty much my whole career that one I talked. One
0: time talk around the cage. Is that I talked shit. <laughs> but one time, yeah, we were playing Syracuse, right? And their quarterback, they he like ran or whatever, scrambled and some shit, and ran like four or five yards, and he slid and he landed like right in front of me and I like kind of just fell into him like just make sure he was down on the ground yeah
1: <laughs> the running back comes over and like kind of just like shoves me out of the way and is like hey man stay off my quarterback looked him in his eyes and just went yeah f*** you <laughs>